Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of No One Is Listening. Uh, as always, I'm one of your hosts, Steve, and with me is Jen. Jen, you want to say hi? Hi, everybody. All right. So uh, we're back with another episode today, and we'll be going over uh, the assignments that we'd given each other. We'll debrief them and then, you know, kind of discuss, uh, you know, uh, why we chose uh, the assignments for each other. And then, you know, we'll just go back and forth, and then we'll go to our obsessions at the end. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, Jen, the assignment you gave me, which is, uh, you know, before I give you, like, a chance to tell everyone, you know, what you chose and and why you chose it, uh, let me just say it was – it is so funny. <laughs> and I can't I, – I don't know why more people aren't talking about it. It's already in its third season, but I'll just leave it there. Uh, Jen, why don't you tell everyone what you chose for me? Uh, yes, yes, Steve. So I asked you to give what we do in the shadows a try. Um, it is currently um, in its third season. I think the third season may have just ended. Um, it's on FX, but if you all have Hulu, for those of you who haven't cut the cord or who cut the cord already, um, it it's on Hulu. And so um, you and I both have Hulu. Um, and so I was like, Steve, well, technically you have Hulu. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. But you are under my, you are one of my children under my profile. <laughs> um, <laughs> but basically what we do in the shadows is um, it's, it's, I, it's so hard to describe, I think, but um, it's a mockumentary in the style of like The Office. Yep. Um, there's a docu crew that's following around, that, that follows a group of um, vampires <laughs> who have settled in Staten Island. <laughs> around um there are four vampire roommates two of whom are married to each other um it's actually based it um and on a film of the same name um yeah uh written by jermaine clement uh flying of the concords fame and um taika waititi our favorite uh, mm -hmm. one of our favorite marvel directors and they're both in the movie as well um and so yeah it was like a sort of like an independent um film but it's the same it's the same idea it's a mockumentary for vampire um roommates um the tv show has completely new characters so i don't believe that the this universe is related to that universe um but i started watching it like i don't know why like um a couple of months ago and literally in every episode there's like definitely just like a laugh out loud moment for me um like i can pinpoint like every in every like episode like the minute where i was like i literally laughed out loud during yeah. this part um it's just it's really really funny and to your point like i don't know why more people um and maybe they do i just we just have discovered it a little bit later but sure. um it's so i don't know i it's again it's not for everybody because it's definitely um gory and horror-esque but like it's a comedy so like nothing's that serious and it's not super high stakes even though people are you know being hunted down and killed yeah. because we're talking about vampires here can so, i can i can i just comment on that? i i would actually push back a little bit on the it's not for everyone i think this does kind of had like have like that broad humor aspect well i, I think it, it takes i think you just have to like jump over certain 
you have to jump over a lot of things yeah you have to jump over a lot of things but like i say it in the same way like the office isn't for everybody like that style of humor and like um Oh, I see. Okay. I used to qualify that all the time. Like I the office. I was obsessed with the office when it was first airing. So like not when it had his like Netflix resurgence like ten years later. Um and nobody that I knew was watching it in real time like I was. Um and like people that I would like get to watch it be like, Okay, but like you have to be okay with like uncomfortable, like awkward silences and like that's part of the humor. And so like with this, like I I feel the same way in the sense that like I think some people are just gonna be like, This is so stupid. Like it it doesn't make sense. But like I'm glad you're not one of those people. Steve, you're my my people. Um <laughs> it's so funny. So tell me about what your journey has been like what like how many episodes have you watched like will you continue watching it yeah yeah. um what did what do you like about it um so i watched uh the first two episodes Mm -hmm. right and at at first it's like when you told me when you when you told me oh here's here's what i want you to watch and uh i think you sent me like an imdb link or something and i clicked on it and i was like wait this is vampires (laughs) i can't I can't watch this. I was like, I, I, I can't watch this. I was you like, didn't actually say any of that to me. Though. No, I no. I think I asked you like, is this scary? Ah, uh, yes. You, you did know. Ask me that. And then you're like, you're like, no, it's not scary. And I was like, all right, like, cause you, I think you know that my tolerance for horror is like really. Yeah, like low. I'm not gonna like make you watch like Haunting of Hill House or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I was, and and then you said something. You said there's a moment in every episode where I laugh out loud, and yeah. that's when I was like, all right, like, I'll give this a try. And I, I think that's for like this specific show that's where it'd be like hey like you don't have to be into horror at all like that's not the point you just have to have like a very like cursory understanding of like how vamp vampirism or like vampires work you know what i mean (laughs) Uh like which isn't which isn't even like that it's (laughs) like like, you just have to have seen like hotel transylvania or something you know what i mean like like a children's version of it like that's what you could like that's how familiar with vampires you need to be, right? Um, and when, uh, as, for whatever reason, I think there's like a specific kind of humor also that comes with like an FX comedy. Mm. Um, so it, in the same vein as like kind of like it's always sunny, you know, um, not like the same type of humor, but it's kind of like it. It's like highbrow, masked as like lowbrow kind of. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so, so I watch it, and I, like, the first character, they do a really good job of, like, the first character you are introduced to is Guillermo, who is yeah. not, who is not one of the vampires, which I think is, like, a great decision, you Did know? Did you know what a familiar is? No, I had to Google it. I had Me to Google too. it. Me too. So, just... Tell everybody what yeah. the familiar so, is. So, so Guillermo, right, is one of, is, okay, so there are three vampires. There's Nandor, Laszlo, and I think her name is Nadia, Nadja? Nadja, Nadja. Nadia? Wait, you're Nadja. forgetting about the fourth vampire. Oh, there's please. a four. okay, no, 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 okay, we're gonna save him. We're gonna save him, okay? <laughs> there's three main vampires who are, there are three very typical vampires, okay? And that is, you know, the blood-sucking, you know, can't, you know, walk in the sun, only they sleep in coffins, kind of vampires. Nandor, Laszlo, and, and Nadja, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Nandor, who is like the oldest, uh, he has what is called um, 
a familiar who is he, the way he describes himself is he is like a best friend who is also a slave. And when he <laughs> that's like one of the first lines of the show and I like like right there like they just hook you. You know? It, it, like it's just so that line was so funny. He's like a familiar and you know what that is exactly right so a familiar i had to google it it's like um almost like a butler but like way more intense like you don't get to go home you're not you know (laughs) like you're kind of like their property not really though you know um and it's a very supernatural it, it, it exists in a supernatural setting it's not like oh were those like it, it was mostly specifically like witchcraft too right but then i think they use it for like these vampires in in the setting and the the mockumentary style is like you know i didn't really like it when it came to um do you remember like modern family it, mm-hmm. it seemed like it's it's just uh you use it for like storytelling purposes um but here it's like really funny because even in like the second episode right i'm jumping around a little bit but second episode uh they introduced the baron who's like this really old vampire he looks like the crypt keeper from tales from the crypt and do you know who plays him no who plays is it someone i know um maybe maybe not um his name's doug jones and he is the oh. fish character in the shape of water he does a lot he, of these type of he does like, a lot of mm-hmm. the cgi kind yeah, mm-hmm, yeah no, I know mm-hmm, but i think it's yeah. hilarious that like doug and he's he's the baron yeah so um he like looks but, at the camera wait, can i oh go ahead yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, no, 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 i was just gonna say but like when you think of the baron that you think like oh god like he's like the i don't know like the king of the vampires or whatever and then you find out like he's called the baron because he couldn't have children and so like that's also a play on like words but there's so many like funny moments like that where it's like Oh my god, that's so funny. Like I don't know. <laughs> I know. So it, okay. The okay, now now this is where we can get to the great part. So Guillermo is I love Guillermo. He's so funny. I love Guillermo. Right? Uh th- there's a fourth vampire that you uh that you mentioned who is the best vampire. And he is <laughs> he, he the, in this universe there's something called a I guess an energy vampire, and I guess like a psychic vampire is like that's like a thing, that's like a term that exists. But their spin on an energy vampire is someone who looks like a human, does not look like a vampire, can walk in the sun. They're not harmed by sunlight or anything. Um, he has no outward signs of vampirism. With I think like his eyes glow when he uses his energy vampirism, which is that like. If he talks to you and bores you, he's literally sucking the psychic mental energy from you. And I it, mean, see, the way they we, play on it. We know some real life and, and that's, energy vampires. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? They, like, they look in the camera, and this is like, I, not like breaking the fourth wall. It's like a wink-wink to the audience. like Because one of the vampires goes, I think we all have, we all know energy vampires in our lives. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's just so funny. They, it's like they always want to leave him out because they avoid like, being yeah. associated with him. Yeah, yeah they because he is a drag even to the other vampires. Right. Yeah. You know, he's Be- literally just so boring or so frustrating. Um, 
he's literally the best character, but they use him very like sparingly in a way that's effective, you know, like he's not in every yeah. scene with the three other vampires, but like right, when right. he appears, it's like, it's, it's, it's such a, um, I don't know. It's such a joy to watch. Yeah. Uh, because, because I think the one thing that like makes this all relatable is exactly what you just said. Like he, like if you ran into three gothically dressed people, <laughs> like there's something definitely wrong and like not realistic about that. But you know a Colin Robinson in your life, like, who just is, just drains you of your, like, energy and just drains you of, like, just, you know, whatever. Like, I know some people like that at work. I know some people like that in real life. Um, And it's, like, it's 100% relatable. And then, like, after watching the show, sometimes I'm just like, I wonder if they're an energy vampire. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like, the way they and the one of the funniest parts is because you don't really know exactly where the where the story is set, and then the way they reveal that they're in Staten Island, you know, <laughs> like it's set in Staten Island, and they're, you know, I think these three vampires have just been they're just, you just catch them in this really random specific moment in time, right? In in like their lives or whatever it's in the present day, and they're like, oh. It, it, like where is this art like the baron asks oh you know um is this like the central location of like power in this uh like in this part of the world and they're like yeah and they're like what like where are we and guillermo is like this is staten island and the fact and then they're and then the baron's like oh why why are you here and then one of them goes this is where the boat dropped us off like 300 years ago and they just never left staten island you know like it's just these little things that it just it makes it so funny and i actually think like one of the smartest parts is like the way they have i mean who i don't know how accurate it is but the way they play up the fact that these vampires have not aged so they're Mm -hmm. all still like the way they talk the way they interact with um like modern day citizens, you know, like they're they're at the the grocery store, you know, and the way they interact with the cashiers, like all of it is just like no like pitch perfect. So funny. Um, I think one of my favorite episodes is that city council episode, which is like the season like um oh episode two. Yes. Because it's so like what a city council local city council meeting would look like. We have been to, like, to city council CC, meetings. Yeah, down to that CCTV footage and like someone not knowing how the mic audio is modulated. Like, everything about that episode was so funny. Um, so I'm glad that was the second episode, because I, I forgot, like, I was like, oh, I wonder if he's gotten to that episode, but, like, I'm on the Wikipedia page, and it's literally episode two, so you have. Um, and then I would say, like, like one of the fun parts of watching this show, too, is, like, all the guest stars that, like, pop through. So, like, you have stuff to look forward to, like, you know, like Nick Kroll makes a, like an appearance. Like Haley oh. Osmond is on season two. Like um, Benedict Wong's on. Like I think Mark Hamill appears like in later seasons. So like, I think that this is one of those shows where like people genuinely like are fans or like if like if you're like funny or in comedy, like you want to be on the show in one way or another. So yeah, um, so funny. I'm really glad that you like it. 
I, yeah, I just, I have recommended this to everybody and like not everybody is as like open-minded about wanting to watch it. But I'm just like, I think once you start watching it, it's like, it's, I don't know, like it's so irreverent. It's so funny. I know it's, it's, it's really good. It's like really charming. Um, and it, which is like a really weird word. I, I understand. I, 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 yeah, I, I can imagine like for other people who haven't watched the series, you'd be like, you just call like a show about vampires like charming, and it, it's really weird, but it is, you know, because um, there like there's something about the way the characters interact that is, while it is like new to me, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. in the first few episodes, you can see that it's like they've thought about this a lot. Yeah, you know, and, it's yeah. like it, it, the characters are hundreds of years old. And it feels that way. Yes, absolutely. Um, and also, like, Guillermo feels like 100 years old. He just seems like an old soul trapped in, like, you know, <laughs> like a regular person's body. But um, before we wrap up, can I just share, like, something that I'm afraid is going to happen with Guillermo? And, like, I'm on oh, like, okay. the early part of season two. So, like, okay, but, go for it. But the goal of him being a familiar and, like, the whole reason why he is is because one day he hopes that Nandor, who is a um, vampire that he assists, uh, will turn him into a vampire, right. right? So, like, he's doing this because, like, that's his ultimate end game to become a vampire, like, these three, uh, these four people that, like, live in this house. Um, but as you, as you go through season one, you'll see flashes of, like, Nandor does, like, I feel like he is not just stringing him along, but, like, you know, Guillermo asks, like, when can I become a vampire? Like, haven't and like Nandor is very dismissive of it, and they all are very dismissive of him, even though he does so much for them. Um, and you see little flashes of like annoyance that cross that cross his face because like they they make him do ridiculous things at the end of the day, and it's really funny. But like also like you can kind of see him like, but like um you. You have finished Ted Lasso, right? The second yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't want him to become like a Nathan. Um, oh yeah. And just like you know, like what started off as this like seemingly naive, innocent person, then like you see flashes of some things like baking in him, and obviously that's like character development and whatever. But like, I just don't want that for my sweet Guillermo. Like, I want him to like continue to like service like these vampires. Um. And, like, you know, I guess when that, like, series ends or whatever, he can become one. But, like, yeah, I just don't want him to, like, turn on them in any way. And, like, like yeah, you like, I don't know. Like, I, I'd be curious to see what your thoughts are, like, as you progress more um, into the show. And I obviously haven't finished, like, season three or anything, so I don't know. But, like, I just, yeah, I just don't want them to go down that route. Because, like, I, I, as much as I For think sure. I saw it coming in Ted Lasso, like, I was still, like, not into it when effectively he sort of became who he became right when he turns heel yeah yeah, yeah um yeah. to spoil to like borrow like a wrestling term yeah uh you know um yeah i i i'm i'm really curious to see like how that because i'll be honest like as funny as the shit like i don't think nandor is the funniest vampire like i think colin is easily the funniest vampire. yes 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 i think um Laszlo is also like super funny. Also, they, previous life he was a porn star. Like it's so funny. Oh really? They yeah. they like reveal that. Oh, I can't wait. Oh my god, um, you need to watch it. Yeah. 
so it's like, but Nandor, Nandor's relationship with Guillermo, I find to be the funniest and also like the best. Mm-hmm, you know, because mm-hmm. they're at the end of the second episode, it's like, yeah, Guillermo thinks it's his ten year anniversary of being Nandor's familiar. He thinks the surprise is that he's going to be turned into a vampire, and Nandor instead, <laughs> he's um. He's, like, made him a glitter portrait of the two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you, did you think I forgot your two-year anniversary? And then you can see Guillermo, like, die inside. He's like, yes. Tenure. And then as the coffin is closing, he goes, oh, ten years. He's like, that's a long time. And then that's, like, that's it. And it's just, it's so funny. I love their, I, I think, while the other roles could probably have been cast by by others or been like played by by others i think with nandor and guillermo specifically their chemistry is like super important and it shows that they clearly uh like chose two performers that have like great chemistry because mm-hmm, i think they mm-hmm. they share like even though laszlo and Nadja are the ones that are married uh nandor and guillermo actually have like the most screen time together yep. it yep. feels like yeah. um and so yeah, no, I'm definitely gonna keep watching. It's, it's really funny. It's like really like laugh out loud, funny. Excellent. It's like yeah, it, it. You can tell, like the, the writers' room is probably like cracking up all the time. Well, they're doing a really good job cracking us up. So highly recommend. Ten yeah. out of ten. Also, is that is that Jonah Hill's sister? Beanie, yes. Beanie Feldstein's in it, and um, in an episode. Like, we can talk about it when you get to it, but there's a moment that, like, literally, like, I cackled Okay. with okay. Beanie Feldstein. But I think she's only in a handful of episodes in season one. Oh, so she's not, like, uh, a main... she's not, like, main cast? Mm-mm, no. Okay, okay, okay. Got it, got it. All right. Um, all right, with that, let's move on to uh, my assignment for you, which was Steve Jobs, the 2015 uh, movie about the self-titled Steve Jobs, okay? Um, so it's a screenplay written by Aaron Sorkin, directed by uh, Danny Boyle, starring uh, Michael Fassbender as Steve Jobs. And so I think the reason I wanted you to watch it is, I, I mean, you and I have talked ad nauseum, right, about um, the social network, and this felt like, to me, like the spiritual successor to um, the social network because it's I, I i'm not sure if it's his very next screenplay after social network but I, it, it wasn't too far like after that maybe like you know five years after um and so i i really wanted to know what you thought about it because i like it because i feel like i just really love um what is it i really love uh and like aaron sorkin screenplays mm-hmm and I wanted to know, like, your thoughts. And, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. And you were like, are we going to do this now? I was like, oh, you're right. We should wait. So tell me, like, one, what you thought about the movie. And two, specifically, like, could you feel a difference between, uh, like, this being directed by Danny Boyle versus, you know, uh, Social Network, which was written by, I mean, uh, which was directed by David Fincher? Yeah, okay, so those are a lot of questions. So first of all, um, this was not my original assignment. You had wanted me to finish out the, or continue the Fast and the Furious journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, except, was it seven? 
Yeah, it was not available on, like, any of the streaming services that I have. So I was like, Steve, I will rent this for you if you really want me to. But And so <laughs> you were like, no, watch Steve Jobs. And when you first said it, I was just like, come again. Like, I was like, okay, like, why? And then um, – and I don't even think I knew that Aaron Sorkin had written it. Like, I, like, didn't look at anything before I started, like <clears> – <throat> watching it and then halfway through or like partly through it I was just like I wonder if this is written by Aaron Sorkin and I it was um so essentially the movie like it has all the trademarks of an Aaron Sorkin vehicle in the sense that it has very like crackling like fast-paced dialogue and it's like really hard to follow sometimes really hard to follow but it that's okay because that's like that's not not a bad way that's not sometimes like what what the actual words are aren't as important as like Mm -hmm. what's actually like what's happening and like the characters that are saying and and like there's a sense of momentum with the dialogue too yes there's a moment there's always like some like there's always like a momentum and like a crescendoing happening but like Mm -hmm. in this so i don't I'm not really sure what this movie would have looked like if, like, David Fincher had directed it. But what I can say is that, like, and Danny Boyle's not, I don't think he's a theater director. Like, I would be more understand. like, I would understand this more, like, if, like, Sam Mendes had directed it. Because, like, Sam Mendes is, like, a theater director. But, like, oh my this, God, this he's is a theater director. very, I just Danny Googled. Boyle, Danny Boyle. I'm looking at his wiki oh, now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that, that so you're totally you were right. Like, you were right. Yeah. And it's it's really the way that it's structured. So it's structured in these like forty, like three forty-minute parts, mm-hmm. and they they all mirror the same event. So like, it's right before Steve Jobs is about to go on stage to announce the launch of some Apple product. Some product so like, yeah. like the original Mac in 1984. The next like computer in 1988 and then the i the iMac is it the iMac uh, the iMac, in 1998 yeah. so like it's like it's broken up into those three sections um and it's sort of hilarious because like a lot of stuff is happening backstage like right before he steps out on stage and that would never ever happen there's no way like before like a big apple chance. event yeah. tim cook is being interrupted by like his like daughter like talking about how much he hates you know what i mean so like whatever so there's lots of like um i i think it's it one of the criticisms of this movie is and actually aaron sorkins's work is that like he takes liberties with facts like he's not this isn't meant to be like um like a retelling of actual events like he's just taking very specific moments and events that have happened in Steve Jobs' life and kind of crafting fiction around it. Right. It's a biographical um, drama with the focus on the drama. Correct. So I think the the intensity of, like, his dialogue and, like, whatever um, is heightened by the fact that, like, real time. So, like, you know, if he has, like, 20 minutes left to get on stage, it's, like, all the stuff that's happening to him plays out in those 20 minutes so that like it crescendos into like him like getting on stage after he's had these like intense conversations with like all these people including like I thought I mean I was really fascinated by like um uh you know Jeff Daniels plays um what's his name 
um, John Scully, Mike Scully. Um, no, Mike. Oh Scully's, yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, no, that's Inc. John, John Scully. Scully yeah. Who um was the Apple CEO, and he for a really long time was like the known as the person who fired Steve Jobs. Yeah. And um, like they, and then that like there's a whole storyline that plays out. Between those two, but then, but really what's at the heart, I feel like, of this movie are are the two women in his life. So one happens to be the woman that Kate Winslet plays, who's Joanna Hoffman, who was, like, the head of, like, Apple marketing or whatever. And she's, like, his widely considered his work wife and, like, brings, like, likability and balance to, like, a version of Steve Jobs portrayed here who is just temperamental, insensitive, immature. Um, and then it's his daughter. Um, for a long time, like, he sort of also denied that he had a daughter. and um, Which that part is true, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so her name's Lisa, and, like, she's... Uh, you sort of see her progression in the, in the three acts as well. Um, Cause you know, she starts off being a very young child. And by the time we get to 1998 and the third act, um, she's like in college and there's a whole discussion about, you know, like paying for college tuition and all this stuff. Um, it's such a good character, like good character studies, even if it's not necessarily real, you know, like I think he sort of took different conversations and different pieces that were happening in his life and just kind of like, you know, threw them all together in this three act structure. And it works as like a, almost like a piece of fiction, but I I don't think it's real. And I think that's why like so many people like try to stop this movie from getting made. So do you know about all the behind the scenes drama around this movie? No, I don't. I just, I, I know that, you know, this is, this does not lionize or mythologize Steve Jobs at all. Like, I, it, this movie, actually, Steve Jobs is the antagonist. He is here. such an antagonist here. He's and, such an asshole yeah. for, like, 90 minutes of this movie. Yeah. Uh, it, I think it, it's the I very, like, it, like, two minutes that, like, he sort of shows humanity, but yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's definitely, I think, um, yeah, the two relation, the two focal relationships are, are his, is his relationship to, um, to his daughter, uh, Lisa, and to, um, you know, Joanna, and, but I would say, like, the main, the, the main focus is really his relationship with his daughter in all three, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in all three acts, and it's, I mean, she essentially is the hero of the movie. Yeah. It's like, she's like the shadow hero of it. You don't realize it until you get to that third act. And you realize, like, everything he's done sort of has been driven by, like, her and his love yeah, for her. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, so like this movie was sort of like squarely in the middle of you know when Sony got hacked like a couple of years ago or like I you know remember, like yeah. almost ten years ago. Um, and there's all these like emails that came out, but like essentially, um, David Fincher passed on making this movie. Christian Bale passed on making this oh, movie. Leonardo DiCaprio that. passed I on this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. And so like it quote unquote settled on Danny Boyle and like Michael Fassbender, who like you know obviously is not a Leo DiCaprio or Christian Bale, or at that time was not. Um, and then there's all these rumors that like um, Laureen Jobs, who is Steve's widow, tried to get the movie killed, and she basically nobody denies this account. Um, 
although she's never confirmed it, but like she called Leo DiCaprio, she called Christian Bale and asked them not to do the movie. And so like there was just a lot that was going on and like Tim Cook like was really mad about this movie because this is also like on the heels of I think the Ashton Kutcher movie came out in 2013 and then there was another documentary about Steve Jobs that kind of came around the same like within that same like two three year window and so it was like like I think Tim Cook called it like you guys are being opportunistic of like about like this person who is no longer here and just like trying to make money. And so there's a lot that like was happening behind the scenes that makes it feel like much more dramatic than like the drama that like ended up playing out in the movie itself. Um, And I don't know if it was all of that or if it wasn't marketed properly, but the movie made like very little money at the box office. Like, yeah, um, I can tell you right now. Yeah. The budget was $30 million and the box office was $34 million. Yeah, so that sucks for everybody involved. So <laughs> I think Michael Fassbender and Kate Winslet both got Oscar noms for their roles, so maybe it didn't suck all around. But, you know, I don't know. Like, Steve, do you think that, like, one day it'll like people will just like start to look at this movie differently and, like... No, I, I don't think so. I, you know, and part of Part of my thing was, um, you know, it, like, I feel like this segment or these, uh, like, these episodes aren't for, like, oh, I want you to watch Mad Men. I want you to watch Breaking Bad or The Wire. You know, mm-hmm. I want you to watch, you know, There Will Be Blood um, or No Country for Old Men. You know, it's, like, this is a really imperfect movie. Yeah. This is, like, um, it's this is like the poor man's version of the social network, but it still hits certain notes. Like, um, I don't think this will like age better, or people will look back and be like, "Actually, that was a masterpiece." Like, no, th- this movie actually sometimes can be like a little confusing, and not in the way where it's like, "Oh, I need to watch it a few times and put subtitles on because it's an Aaron Sorkin screenplay," but it's just like, "Wait, like, what is his plan to take over Apple?" Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but there are moments that really shine like um there's the scene where i was like i don't know what's going on i just know this is awesome which is like when steve jobs well when michael fassbender steve jobs and uh jeff daniels uh john scully are talking to each other and it's intercut with a flashback of them talking to each other Mm, yes 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 and i'm just like i don't know what's going on i just know this is awesome you know, uh, and it's just like little moments like that, or you know, the the ending where towards towards the end, like his uh, scenes with <laughs> what is it, um, Seth Rogen who plays Steve Wozniak, you know, especially towards the end where they're having the same argument in all like in every uh, act, you know, it's just like these little things that it's a really imperfect movie it's you i would i wouldn't even call it a great movie it's just a super watchable movie it is and watchable I think, it's super yeah, watchable that's, yeah that's why i wanted you to watch it not because it's good not because it's great i think that's like subjective um but it's so watchable and i think that's why i wanted you to watch it yeah i was into i, I got really into it um i 
missed that. Like, I haven't watched, I haven't rewatched The Social Network in a long time, but this made me want to go back and rewatch it because it just reminded mm. me so much of of that time. Or yeah, I mean, Aaron, I feel like um, Aaron Sorkin just has a way with. Okay, that's like the most understatement of the like has a way with words, but like it's like like there's such a even for a movie that he hasn't isn't directing or anything, it's such a look and feel. It's such a feel, you know, like yeah. an Aaron Sorkin feel, and it made me really like miss what I felt when I yeah. was watching Social Network for the first yeah. time. It's, yeah, you know, it's because his screenplays, like you, you can't film it any way you want mm-hmm. you know there are there are many ways to film it there are many ways to direct an Aaron Sorkin screenplay but because there's so much momentum in the dialogue itself it there's a it, it you feel like you're moving at light speed even if it's just people two people just talking in a room and there's yeah. nothing else happening you know yeah um also random question did you know that was Kate Winslet, like, immediately? Because I did not know I mean, the first time I watched it. Yes, they look like Kate Winslet. She looks like Kate Winslet. No? I mean, yeah, no, she does. I mean, especially afterward. Okay, I guess that's just me. Okay, all right, fine. I mean, fine. but then I think that goes to show you how good she is then, because you didn't Oh, know. she's, I mean, in general, Kate Winslet is awesome. Yeah. You know? But she's, she's, she is really, really good in this. Um... Any any uh, last words on Steve Jobs before we move on to obsessions? No, let's move on to obsession. Okay. Um. Uh, why don't we do my obsession first for this one? Okay. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the on the pod before, but one of my favorite shows of all time is is Community, mm-hmm. and it came, I think I saw it come up on like a Netflix recommend. I don't know how they knew. But they know everything, right? It's the way they Google do know knows everything. everything. You know, um, like I'm always getting ads for stuff that's like super relevant to me. Anyway, uh, I realized that I had never finished it, especially because like I think the last two seasons were on Yahoo. This is gonna sound insane, <laughs> but there was uh, Yahoo used to have a streaming service, I guess. Like they were trying to get into the TV game, and it was on like Yahoo Stream, like the last two seasons. So I hadn't even watched that. Um, Dan Harmon, who created the show and was uh, the showrunner after the third season, was dismissed by NBC, uh, comes back and does, after, you know, being out for one season, comes back, finishes it out, uh, you know, eventually not with NBC. They do one more season on NBC and then they finish it out on on Yahoo Stream. And uh, I started over from the beginning because I knew I wanted to finish it. Uh, but I didn't want to just like jump in from the middle because it had been like so long. So I started off from the beginning, and what a joy! It is still one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. It is so good. It's not as like laugh out loud. It's just it's just so smart. It tickles a part of my brain that rarely gets tickled, and mm. it, and I I love it. Um, okay. There's there's always like pop culture references to like other to other things, and I like seeing like a young Allison Brie and a young like Donald Glover is just like such a joy like what uh what a revelation you know um like they're so good in it the writing's great and also are you know um like your guys are in are their their writers on it 
the guys, who are my guys? The the guys who ended up um, writing and directing like all the Avengers movies and Winter Soldier. The Russo brothers. The Russo, yeah. They I I don't think this is where they got their start, but um. No, you know what? I I did I did know this. Yes, yes. Yeah, I because yeah I no I know you knew because I think you were the one that reminded me of it. But yeah, the Russo brothers are are like a huge part of the of the writers' room. That's amazing. It, and it's just it's so it's so good and it just brings me so much joy i'm actually getting sad because it's like i was like powering through the first few seasons and i'm just like you know it's like when you get to the end of a meal and you really want to savor it and you're like you know let me slow down and really savor no i get it yeah you know um because it's gonna be it's gonna be over soon for me and it's just it's 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 been a joy to watch again. I love it. I love it That's so much. That's sweet. That's really sweet. Yeah. Okay. What is what is your obsession this week? Um, my obsession is um, the Taylor Swift Red re-release. <laughs> or I should say Taylor Swift's Red parentheses Taylor's version. Taylor's version. Um, so she um, has been on a lot of. She's been going full stop on a promo tour for Seriously. the re-release. I'm loving it. She's doing it much more. I mean, I think it's because like Evermore and Folklore, her last original albums, um, was sort of like released during the height of COVID, so she couldn't really actually do some of these things. But like for the Red re-release, um, she's been on like uh, Seth Meyers and Fallon, and she was on SNL and. Um, she just has been doing a lot of stuff uh, related to it, and I'm loving all of it. Um, uh, with that, you know what? Okay, so she re- she's been re re she has promised to re release and re record all of her old yep. albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and she released uh, Fearless um, a couple months ago. I don't love Fearless, but Red reminds Red is when I really start to leaning hard into Taylor because this is like the turning point of her like foraying into the pop world. Um, so Fearless is very still very much like country. Like Red is like it's like a lot of different genres, but like like you can see the pop coming out. Um in and so like I have a very soft spot for red and um most critics and most Taylor fans think her best song ever is All Too Well and I don't disagree. I love All Too Well. And with the re release, she it's released a, a ten yeah. minute version. Do you um, like the ten minute version? I do like the ten minute version. I <laughs> I first was like, what the F is this? But then the more I listened to it, the more I like really into it and her SNL performance, they let her perform the 10 minute version. So like usually like a musical act does two songs. Yeah. Um, and she did the one, she did the one, she did it for 10 minutes. Um, she directed a movie, music video movie. Um, and she just re-released a, no, not re-released, but she, um, as part of the repackaging, she um, she also has these, like, songs called, like, From the Vault. So, like, like she was like, I have written so many songs for all of my albums, but, like, obviously your, your album can't be, like, 40 songs. And so she's been selectively, like, releasing a couple of, like, those, like, unreleased songs that are tied to each album. So she released a song that um, 
was supposed to be part of the album, but it, uh, but she didn't. And so she, like she ended up filming a music video for it. And our friend, not our friend, but Miles Teller is in it. And I have very, um, like, I don't know, mixed feelings about Miles Teller. Like, I think he's amazing in a lot of ways, but then I hear he's not so amazing in a lot of like personal ways. So whatever, but he's really good in the videos directed by Blake Lively and, um, yeah, I don't know. I've just been really, really liking it, but all, um, all too well has been stuck in my head for like a really long time and the 10, it's a 10 minute version. So, um, not great, but yeah, I don't know. And then it's bringing up all these feelings that I didn't know I had about the whole Jake Gyllenhaal thing. So I, I was going to ask, so it, yeah, it's about Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Like that, those mm-hmm. songs, right? Yes. And popular lore seems to suggest that Jake Gyllenhaal is not a nice guy and, um, it sucks for him because obviously like, <laughs> I think it sucked for him you know, time. 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. But like with this re-release and this like renewed interest in all that has happened and with the 10 minute song, there's obviously like more lyrics and <laughs> like she gets more into the story. Um, and I don't know, like, it just, it just feels really interesting. So then I went down this rabbit hole and then now there's like all these like things like, why isn't Jake Gyllenhaal friends with Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds anymore? Well, then Ryan Reynolds is like now friends with Taylor Swift and Blake's Blake Lively and t- Ryan and Taylor, like do all the, like, it's just like, I've gone down this like rabbit hole of like figuring out like who Jake Gyllenhaal is as a person. And I think I'm trying to come to a conclusion that maybe he's not a great guy. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, definitely your obsession of the week. It's also yes. been my wife's obsession. Yes. Of- so oh. me and Janelle will just play the 10-minute version on repeat. No, um, yeah, but it's great. Awesome. Um, all right. I, I think that's – we hit everything, right? I'm pretty yeah. sure we, we hit everything we, we wanted to. So remember to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, feel free to leave um, a comment on SoundCloud if that's where you're you're hitting us up. And uh, we'll be back next time. So until then, Jen, you want to say bye? Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening.